welcome to the Living Life Legacy Matters Broadcasting Network powered by the Faith-Based Cause Initiative and National Radio Media Streaming. We're very uh, pleased and uh, honored to have them as uh, our uh, affiliate relationships that allows us to bring uh, just um, meaningful communication to the community at large and as we uh, move uh, through our celebration of Black History Month and on to the uh, exciting and uh, really informative uh, month of March, it's a, a good uh, opportunity to uh, reintroduce you to individuals that we believe are right for the time and that have provided us the necessary information and commitment to get behind our initiative of faith, cause, and charitable outreach. And when we say that, you can go to myfbic.com and note that we believe that if we empower people such as our guests uh, by giving the fuel for their ministry, which is financial stability and technology, that we can begin to win this war on the pandemic. So uh, in this session, we get a chance to uh, fellowship with uh, a person we have labeled a educational extraordinaire. And what we mean by that simply is that people, when they endeavor in their vision and their mission in life, uh, tend to uh, perhaps take uh, different detours uh, and, and get, if you would, a uh, number of different uh, types of experiences throughout their life. And as we look into our framing of uh, a particular particular person's living life legacy, we take it in 20s. So your first 20, your second 20, your third 20, your fourth 20, we think you can get up to five to six 20s based on science. Uh, if a person can get through their fourth 20 stage, they can get close and beyond uh, the fifth and the sixth, which takes you to 120. Now, I want to share something with you. Uh, uh, very seldom in life does a person take a path that's less traveled, and that's that they make a decision very early in life that they're going to commit themselves to something. And before I introduce uh, and reintroduce our particular uh, honored guest with you, I want to share with you a synopsis of the life that she's traveled through the eyes of the faith-based cause initiative. So on behalf of our chair, Mr. Greg Garland and uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Pastor William Reveille, I would share with you that education is something that is extremely important to us, and that's probably because we are in our third and fourth 20 stage, and so we look back at our lives and we can point to people that took a, a, an interest in us in the educational uh, genre, if you would, and they basically uh, know less than wrapped their arms around us and allowed us to get through some challenging times. And those people were educators and they were teachers and they were coaches, okay? They were uh, faith-based uh, leaders. They were cause leaders. And some of them were able to get to that uh, uh, close to angelic level and actually be a, a charitable uh, philanthropist, a person that gave time first mm -hmm. and foremost. And then when they couldn't give time, they gave money. And make no mistake, the time is, is much more valuable than the money. But we know we need both. 
So this individual is in the, uh, when I talk about education, I'm talking about the entire spectrum of education from being a, a well-publicized, uh, dedicated individual uh, offering up articles based on the wisdom that she has been able to acquire over years to uh, actually uh, participating on a number of boards and consuls and very seldom do you get financial remuneration for serving on those boards and those consuls at a grassroots level. Everyone wants to uh, aspire and skip the grassroots level and get paid for their particular time. So I don't take lightly a person uh, uh, such as our guest. I'm going to introduce you to her particular bio, and uh, you can uh, get her picture and uh, and see uh, just really who she is and what she's done on myfbic.com as we will be featuring her as we close out Black History Month. And so to share with you a little bit about education and really how it intertwines doing this especially challenging time and if I could just take just one more minute uh, to ask you to uh, certainly uh, before I introduce our honored guest to certainly let's uh, reflect uh, for just a bit and think about the fact that we are having upwards of 2,000 and sometimes more than that pass away each day from the uh, effects of the worldwide pandemic and we don't want to be numb to that we want to recognize that uh, those individuals were human beings that had mm -hmm. uh, families they had husbands they are uh, they had a husband they had a wife uh, they had grandparents they had you know children children's children's I mean these were people that were basically here for a purpose and so to honor them we want to really make sure we think about them every day and we basically do the things to get through the pandemic and so uh, without further ado uh, let me introduce to you our education extraordinaire uh, Dr. Deborah Hunter Harvell and uh, when I share that with you uh, I want to tell you I'll be referring to as Dr. Deborah from here on out because I feel like she's my uh, uh, just Kendrick spirit in terms of education and I, I, I wish and I pray that everyone will have a, an educator like her in their lives at an early age and then as they proceed so um, Dr. Harvell welcome it is my pleasure to be back with you. Um, I'm going to say, as before, your articulation and method of sharing who I am is humbling. Okay? I want you to know that when I walked away, I did some research and I found out that we may have someone in common who was that kindred spirit that helped us along the way. So I don't know if you know this or not, but Dr. Emerald Crosby was one of my mentors. And I heard that he was yours as well. And so I'm humbled to be here and I'm looking at this triangle and in the center, I see his spirit, okay? while he shaped you and spent so much time playing tennis in the city of Detroit. He was also a principal. And at that time I was an aspiring principal. And he wanted me to join a black organization, the Metropolitan Detroit Alliance of Black School Educators, which was called MDAPSI, that's the acronym. 
he wanted me to join because there was a group of leaders coming together that aspired to be principals and special ed directors and superintendents. And so he tapped me, came to the meeting, joined. Next thing I know, I'm being promoted to principal in the Hazel Park School District, not Detroit Public Schools, but Hazel Park School District, where I was the only African-American principal. And I asked Dr. Crosby, I said, do I take that job? Because, you know, I want, I'm, I'm a minority. I want to help African-American children. He said, you will. Once you go to Hazel Park and become their only African-American educator, that's going to help us to grow, and people will know that we have something to offer. So I did that. Eventually, I mean, I was in Hazel Park for about four years, and I got another promotion in Detroit Public Schools, and on and on and on to become the superintendent in, in a Saginaw school district as well as in a Flint district. But if Dr. Crosby hadn't told me to get those experiences, I wouldn't have. Now, I bet you have a similar story. So while he was working it out for me on the educational side, the academic side, I'm an academician, he was also working it out for you to be an academician but also to play tennis. Yes, you know, it brings tears to my eyes when I yep. think of uh, Dr. Crosby because I would want to share with, um, with every person uh, that uh, when I tell you that a, a child, especially a child as I was, and, you know, they kind of, you know, in retrospect, I was not the best child as far as, you know, really understanding the principles that I needed to understand. But Dr. Crosby and his wife, uh, can you imagine picking a young man up at the age of 12 every day <laughs> and taking them down to Northwestern High School? to play tennis. That's the kind of group. That's the team they were. Driving them to the Tri-Cities and, uh, you know, Chicago, uh, I mean, excuse me, in Illinois and Ohio and, and Indiana to play tennis. Uh, he was uh, no less than my surrogate uh, uh, father. Uh, didn't really understand his position as principal uh, at <laughs> Northern High School because I thought he was just my full-time dad. Big time. I mean, he dropped me off just in time for dinner, uh, but uh, <laughs> because of him and uh, just uh, not just myself he molded the first uh, uh, really foundation of uh, african-american tennis players uh, he was also the first owner of a private tennis club yes he was uh, a lot of individuals don't know that it was the one of the only clay court tennis clubs in michigan uh, all things were first and when I became vice president at Bank of America out in the greater Seattle area I was watching TV one day and all of a sudden I saw my surrogate father Dr. Emerald Crosby on there as a, a board member of educational board member for President Ronald Reagan that's right so uh, again uh, I'm here and thank you so much Dr. Emerald Crosby I know how you feel I want to tell you that he continued to push me, and I eventually became president of MDAPSI, the Metropolitan Detroit Alliance of Black School Educators. But I went on to be elected to become the president of the National Alliance of Black School Educators, which held Dr. Crosby in the highest esteem. He was a scholar 
that would come and talk to three, four, five thousand educators about moving our children to the next level. All children, all minorities, but definitely African American children. So that's all I'm gonna say about him. But when I heard that, I said, That's his tenant, that's his tennis guy. And so here we come back, and I, again, his spirit is in the center of this triangle. This triangle represents a lot for me, uh, as I am a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. And he also pushed and told me, <laughs> so it's too much. Yeah, too so much. And another I connection. I feel your tears yeah. and another connection, okay? Yeah. Another connection. So this Black History Month, so this is when we would talk about him. But uh, Dr. Crosby was my main man, yes. my main guy. Helped me to really become an intellect. So I'm appreciative. So anyway, back to wherever else you were let me touch your hand yes. that's us that's dr crosby no question about okay it. and reason your bio again another touching point for me was your tenure uh in the mary grove college area my sister oh, carla yeah. jones uh went to private school as she was the last of six children from day one morris um uh, child care or Morris, uh, you know, preschool uh, right on Wyoming and uh, Thatchard, uh, right next to Mumford High School. And uh -huh. then later she went to Immaculata, you uh -huh. know, right on the campus of Mary Grove. And then when she went to Dillard, she pledged uh, Delta as well. Oh, wow. And, and her wedding, uh, I had never seen this before because most of my particular uh childhood was not in the african-american you know a community it uh -huh. was in the uh, a white european you know semi sometimes jewish community because uh -huh. those were the tennis players right and that was my family and so when i came to my sister's wedding uh back from seattle washington they she had all her sorority sisters we had to we get, sang like, to her didn't we we had to get like four limos and <laughs> she was at tristone <laughs> baptist church if you remember that it was yes. just amazing Amazing. Yes. I got to see the power of, you know, the uh, divine nine, you know, just yeah. right there and understand that because, again, her tenure at Dillard was just uh, uh, real fulfilling to her. She ended up being an RN and uh, just to really thrive uh, uh, and, and really uh, just work on her music ministry. Wow. Wow. I'd love to meet her one day. Yeah. So, Mary Girl, I graduated from Cooley High School. Because um, that's where mom made me go. I was actually a cast for about six months, but mom didn't want me to catch the bus right. in Detroit, way over there. But I ended up at Mary Grove, lived on campus. It was a free scholarship. Didn't know what I wanted to become, became a teacher, you know, and the first to graduate from my family. And I shall never forget that. I mean, it just embedded so much about how you process and learn you know don't let people talk to you without getting something out of the conversation okay okay set up your goals set up your objectives accomplish them check it off give back to the community that's what mary grove taught me okay and so right now mary grove is a um a ninth and tenth grade high school but it's going to be a ninth through 12th grade high school, which is being funded by Skillman Foundation and University of Michigan, our partners with Detroit Public Schools, community school districts. So if you ever wanted to go to Mary Grove or your sister wanted to go through there, we could set that up. There are actually ninth and 10th grade students on the campus 
And so uh, Immaculata will become the pre-K through eight mm -hmm. educational uh, connection. And then we have the partnership with the University of Michigan. Yeah. So we're thinking we're gonna get a lot of teachers, a lot of uh, radio broadcasters. Hmm, I wonder could we get some tennis courts out there. Well, you know that campus is such that you can't you can't say what won't happen. Right, it's a lot of land. Right. So if you wanted to, we do have midnight golf right now. Mm -hmm. So Yes, and you guys were the first Midnight Golf yep. program at yep, 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 yep. Um, So, you know, as I close things down, I would want you to leave us with uh, your thoughts for how we can uh, support these children uh, in the educational system that a lot of uh, individuals uh, uh, that are not like you uh, are a little desensitized to the trauma that has in, ensued uh, with their whole educational process. Is there anything you can leave the parents with on how they can support the teachers, especially in the communities underserved where most of the educators are not just teachers, they're also parents? Yeah, uh, let, me, let me see what I can come up with very quickly. Um, to all of the parents, if you just got sheets of paper you know, go in there, dollar store, and get some paper. Staple it one, two, three on the side right here. Every child at home needs a journal. A J-O-U-R-N-A-L. Well, they write something about what went on that day. Okay. Okay, just write it out. Share it. Date it. Once you're done with it, we're probably going to take it to the end of June, and I'm thinking we're going to have a summer school, but I'm not sure. I'm going to have Dr. Vitti to come out here with you and talk about some of the things that we've been doing, too. Very well. But um, that's a written activity to talk about what happened. Get away from the screen. Here's what happened today. Here's what I learned. Did you like it? Yes or no? Make the box. They would be yes or no. Yes. And then parents can look at that and know what kids are going through besides just being on the computer, the screen time. So I would do that. And then parents, when we're, like tonight, we're having a community meeting okay. online. That's the only way we could do it for right now. But I come to the community meeting, I would say good things about teachers or ask teachers questions, and then that will help your life. I wish I could talk so much about activities that we can use that are really inexpensive at home. I know parents are tired when they get home, but kids can make these things up themselves. Do you ever remember taking sheets of paper and making cartoons and then bubbles and writing in what the cartoon character was saying? Did you ever do that? Yes. That's easy. Mm -hmm. It's free. Yes. It's cheap. Just, you know? Yes. Those are the kinds of activities we can do other than just always being on the screen. Because I know there's something going on called screen fatigue, Zoom fatigue. Right. But that's, that's just, you know, make sure they always have crayons and lined paper. Yes. Okay? Well, Dr. Harville, I want to thank you so much for My pleasure. with us. Uh, on behalf of the Faith-Based Cause Initiative, on behalf of our chair and our board of directors, I want to thank the audience for allowing us to have this extended time with, uh, again, our education extraordinaire. And you can look forward to seeing more information about her on myfbci.com uh, on our newsroom session. And we want to, again, uh, look forward to our next time to fellowship. Thank you and God bless. It's my pleasure. My pleasure.